Hello, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm your host, Carly McBride. Before we dive in this week, here's your reminder. Make sure you're subscribed to Order Up on Spotify, Apple, or Google, or wherever you get your podcasts, so all our latest releases go directly into your podcast feed. For today's episode, I'm speaking with my colleagues, Sean Kennedy, Executive Vice President of Public Affairs, and Aaron Frazier, Vice President of Public Policy for the National Restaurant Association. The Senate recently held a hearing for Julie Sue, President Biden's nominee to lead the Department of Labor. As Secretary of the California Labor and Workforce Development Agency and as Deputy Secretary of Labor, Sue has supported regulatory mandates that unfairly targeted restaurant operators. Stay tuned as Sean and Aaron discuss Sue's hearing and the association's reason to oppose her nomination. So, Sean and Aaron, thank you both for taking some time to discuss this important topic with us today. And as the experts on this topic, I will turn the mics over to you to lead today's discussion. Thank you, Carly. This is Aaron Frazier with the National Restaurant Association. We're excited to have this conversation today. Sean, as we record this, It is less than 24 hours after the Senate Help Committee, which oversees labor policy in the country, has held a hearing to consider a new labor secretary nominee. Why are we as restaurant advocates and why are restaurant operators across the country tuning in to this process? Well, I think it's you look at the fact that restaurant industry is the nation's second largest private sector employer. So issues affecting the regulation and the treatment of employers and employees. It's a vital component for us. And as the nation's second largest private sector employer, when we look at who the person is going to be that's going to be the chief labor person in the administration, the decisions matter. This is an industry that is very focused on employees, very focused on our consumers, and we need to make sure we have someone in place that gets the balance right. We've rarely engaged up or down support or opposition on the president's cabinet nominations. He or she should be able to pick who they want to fill out their slots. But on something as large as this, when we really take a close look, we need to make sure it's the right person. We have a lot of reservations with Julie Sue. And and I think restaurant operators in particular, they know the buckets of concerns that we have at a federal level. And it's tax policy, it's healthcare policy. A big one is the labor department. And for folks who who may not be aware, the Labor Department has a vast portfolio that overlaps within our industry. We're talking about how wages are paid, workplace safety, the hours that an employee can work, benefits, retirement. So when we're in Washington and we're advocating on issues, they're generally going to be either in tax and payment space and agriculture, but then a lot of it is labor. As Sean mentioned, the second biggest private sector employer in the country are eating and drinking establishments. Is there a reason why we would take a position on this nominee in particular, Sean? Well, I think it's, it's again, we have concerns about, you sort of look at a nominee and say, are they competent to do the job? Are they uh, fit for the position? And to what extent are they going to ably execute on the law? I think that Julie Sue has done what she can, but the record is very mixed in the state of California, and it is very challenging if you're a restaurant operator in California. And it's because of many of the policies that Ms. Sue either pushed for or has said she supports 
that make it much more challenging. And so we say to ourselves, is this the right person to be doing this on a national basis? And the answer is, for this industry at this time, she's not the right person. Yeah, and I think that's an important point that we, the National Restaurant Association, our members work with the Labor Department all the time. And we work closely with them on making sure that restaurants can comply with existing federal rules, that they can get ready for new laws that are coming into effect. And when appropriate, get in there and and do workforce development issues with the department, work on registered apprenticeships. And I think in a lot of ways, we're able to do that with cabinet secretaries of Republican administrations and Democratic administrations. Secretary Marty Walsh, who is leaving the administration, creating this vacancy, we work closely with his team on those apprenticeship issues. And I think it's important to know that you know Marty Walsh's background was as a, a big city mayor where he was working on things like small business development and even cocktails to go during COVID-19. So he kind of had a little bit of the orientation saying we have to work together across industries to ensure that we're meeting public policy and we're convening good stakeholders. But I don't know if we're seeing a lot of that with Julie Sue and some of her record, Sean. You're right, Aaron. I mean, look, the restaurant industry had a good relationship with Marty Walsh. Did we agree on every issue? No. But the position that he came in was one of how do we work with the industry to bring restaurants, bring employers to the right place? How do we work in a collaborative way? There is enforcement versus sort of creating new regulations altogether. There is how do we make sure that restaurants understand what the obligations are and work with them to fulfill them. And we got that out of the Walsh tenure as the Secretary of Labor. We need to make sure that we are going to have someone that's going to be willing to take on that kind of role. And so far, if you look at even the number of meetings that Ms. Sue has done with the business community as Deputy Secretary, it's been a little lacking, and that's a real point of concern for us. Two years, John, two years she was in the deputy secretary role. Then this came out during the hearing with uh, under questioning from Senator Mitt Romney of Utah that they went into her public calendar, could not find a meeting with a business group over a two-year span while you are overseeing a massive regulatory agenda that is affecting labor, small business, and the economy in this country. So I definitely thought that was interesting as well. You know, we're underscoring something that the labor secretary really can be a policymaker in Washington. And this administration really has moved from the legislative mold that we saw over the past two years. And they're going to be in regulatory rulemaking mode over the next two years, which is why I think the stakes have never been higher. But let's get into some of those big policy issues that have a big blinking light on them. And and I, I think that begins and ends probably with the FAST Act, which Julie Sue did signal her support of on video advocacy calls, that's something that we just can't see in any kind of a federal capacity. Well, listen, the FAST Act, and many folks listening to this podcast know what the FAST Act does. It's a unique set of regulations on one subset of one industry in the state of California. So in the quick service space, they have unique rules and obligations that are only put onto them. The hardware store down the street doesn't have it. The beauty salon down the street doesn't have it. And even some restaurants, as of this point, wouldn't have it on them. And so it is just so sweeping and bold and audacious, but with no real end in sight. The bill is, the Fast Act was so controversial that one million California voters signed a petition asking to have it suspended so that they can vote on it themselves in the November 2024 ballot. So we've dodged a small bullet on that front. 
But her support of the FAST Act, her opposition to the tip credit, which enables restaurants and tipped workers so much opportunity and so much advancement is a challenge. And then last is just sort of the overall philosophy of Julie Sue is a little too ideological. It's a little too much of a let's create new regulations rather than work in a more neutral way and to work with businesses like small restaurant owners to say, how can we be collaborative and how can we work on behalf of improving restaurants and the restaurant employees who are relying on those paychecks and relying on that tipped wage and those tips to bring their lives to an even better place. It's hard to be collaborative when you don't meet with uh, the other side of the ledger there for two years as deputy secretary. But I think it's key to remember that when she's pushing rulemakings and regulations in California, you know, that's a deep blue state. And now we're going to kind of import that model from the federal government. And there's, a again, a cabinet secretary, a labor secretary has a lot of discretion in how they're able to advance their agenda. And if it's one that is generally seen as not a finger on the scale, maybe an iron fist on the scale in order to advance that agenda through an ideological prism, it concerns a lot of restaurant operators. And that's why we're taking such a leading role in this. Sean, one of the things that when we're working with a policy team and we're working with our board of directors and our state restaurant association partners is they're concerned about a rule that's being developed right now on the classification of exempt and non-exempt employees, particularly on managers and general managers at the store level. They could be included in a new uh, proposed overtime threshold. And it's particularly one of those things that you can see fall across different ideologies. The Obama standard was in the $40,000 range. Currently, it's in the $35,000 range for who's eligible for overtime as a non-exempt employee. This is something that I think that a cabinet secretary, a labor secretary would have a lot of discretion on. And when you see House, the House Progressive Caucus, their proposal is very clear, right around $83,000 a year. So if you're earning less than $83,000 a year, you would be eligible for overtime under this new federal rule. That's got to be something that we can have a lot of consensus if we're working together in a collaborative format with the labor secretary. We can find a new number that reflects where wages and salaries are this day and age. But unfortunately, I don't know if we would anticipate that kind of a partnership under a labor secretary, Sue. I think the challenge that, and you hit the nail on the head there, the biggest challenge is what restaurant operators are looking for is certainty, is predictability, is knowing what the rules of the road are going to be and what is the right way to comply with them and what's the right way so they can sort of set it and forget it and focus on serving their customers, expanding their business, doing even more for the community. And a lot of the proposals that are being considered or that may be considered under Julie Sue as Secretary of Labor would really upend that and would create so much sort of chaos where operators don't know how to comply. We're looking at things like the 80-20 rule involving tipped workers and what work are they allowed to do and what work is considered a tip wage versus an overtime wage or regular minimum wage. It could really just make situations so much more challenging for restaurants. And so that is why the decisions that are made in Washington really matter of every restaurant. It doesn't matter if you're in California or Indiana or North Carolina. These decisions matter. And it means it just really emphasizes why we need to get the balance right here in Washington with the cabinet and why we're not in the right direction right now. And I think restaurant operators totally agree. What is something, Sean, that we would ask 
a restaurant operator who's concerned about this that is in Indiana, or you know, they may have left their business in California and opened up a business elsewhere, so they get away from some of those regulations. But now they're seeing them coming at a federal level. What could they do in order to share their voice and make an impact over the coming weeks when there's a committee vote? But we all know it's going to come to a big floor vote, and there's going to be a lot of discussion in probably the month of May about where we're going with a labor secretary. Well, it's if you're asking us sort of to forecast how we think the vote's going to go, I don't think she's going to get many Republican votes so far. We will see. But we're certainly watching senators like Lisa Murkowski of, of Alaska, Susan Collins of Maine. But what it's really going to come down to, what the White House is really going to be looking at is are they going to bring all of their Democrats into the fold? If they don't have those 50 votes, it's game over. So I think that those senators in the magical middle, I'm thinking Kirsten Cinema of Arizona, Joe Manchin of West Virginia, John Tester in Montana, Mark Kelly also in Arizona, they are going to be the key ones. But irrespective, the best thing folks could do right now is to actually pick up the phone or send an email, contact their senator and say, this is what my restaurant enables in my state, in our state. And Julie Sue's policies, if she's confirmed, are going to really make that much more challenging. And senators need to make sure they're not just hearing from the National Restaurant Association and our state restaurant association partners, but they're hearing from individual operators across the country that this is the wrong person at the wrong time to be Secretary of Labor. Sean, Aaron, thank you both very much for taking the time to speak with us today. It's been a great conversation. And Aaron, where can folks go if they want to learn more? Thank you, Carly. And I want to remind people that we're working hard on this nomination process, but we're ever vigilant on issues that are affecting restaurants on an everyday basis on Main Street, whether it's uh, credit card swipe fees or the big farm bill to make sure that the cost of doing business is not going up anymore and that we can actually address food prices. So there are a lot of things going on. That's why we have things like public affairs conference. That's why we have a lot of different opportunities to collaborate with our public affairs team. So I will encourage everyone to visit restaurantsact.com, sign up for updates there, because it's a great way for us to work together and really focus on the entire chessboard of what is affecting restaurants in Washington. Make a difference on policy that affects your business. Join us June 19th through 21st, 2023 in Washington, D.C. for our public affairs conference, and be a part of the industry's largest grassroots advocacy event. Every segment from quick service to fine dining is represented and includes large international brands to smaller independent operators who want to advocate for our industry. In addition to meeting with lawmakers on Capitol Hill, conference attendees will hear from top political speakers and celebrate the industry at networking events. To register, visit the link in our show notes. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.